Hello and welcome. This is episode 22 of the 90 Day Website Mastery podcast series. This is the companion of the 90 Day Website Mastery program. We wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder and for you to feel proud about your website again. I've got my co-host Pascal Fintoni with me. You all right, Pascal? I'm very well, thank you very much. Talking about website, what you know, a fascinating subject. And in fact, looking at my diary, at this moment in time, in terms of my coaching services and training, it's all about website or content for websites. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting because I do uh, lots of different work across all of marketing and, and you're right. There's so much talk about websites at the moment. I'm not sure if everyone's sort of come back into the the new year and it's like mm-hmm. the focus is on having the website right. But, you know, we want you to start feeling proud of your website. Again, that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, we have four segments, as always. We have the You Ask, We Answer. We have website stories. We have the website engine room. And, of course, we always leave you with a website call to action where me and Pascal come up with one small change that you could be making right now on your website to start you making feel to start you feeling proud of your website again. So without further ado, we will start with you ask, we answer. Now for episode 22, this is a question which is more of a summary of a very heated debate I had only two days ago, Johnny, with regard to content planning and using obviously different tactics and so on. And the group I was kind of, uh, group discussion I was facilitating, ended up talking about those national and international days, you know, the, the kind of cybersecurity days or all the others with the kind of uh, uh, hashtags and so on. And that was really two school of thought, so, which I've kind of captured into this question for you, which is, are national and international days a worthwhile tactic for my content marketing and website traffic generation? And this is this business of something that's been used uh, for a while. Is this still valid? Because not all tactics you know, last forever. And it was just very interesting that there was definitely two camps. Those who thought that was completely outdated and we should move on. And all those who felt, no, we've barely scratched the surface. It's going to be an interesting way, a meaningful way to piggyback on those national international days. What say you? <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, we have been using those tactics for many, many, many years. Uh, I think they still help give a structure. They still help give uh, ideas. Uh, I think the key thing is ensuring that whatever if you are using national days national weeks uh campaigns it's about making sure that they're relevant that they're relevant to your business but also to your target audience and probably to make them part of a much bigger picture so you're not just using it as a as a one day thing but actually it's part of a wider campaign or perhaps there's a there's more of a story around it maybe there's a lead up and a and sort of something following as well so i think it has to be more integrated but i think um it definitely helps give some kind of co- uh, structure to your content marketing and i still believe it's a, a great way to uh, make it relevant uh, to to your audience as long as it as long as it fits the demographic because if these national days weeks campaigns whatever they are uh, people are used to them and know them it's a, it is a great way to sort of connect with that and and um and and bring your brand into the to the forefront whilst that thing whatever that might be is going on yeah and i think you're right so you've got the relevancy so 
if it is actually top of uh, in the top of mind for your audience, it is part of their diary. Maybe, as you pointed out, they almost make make an appointment with that national day or that international week and so on. And there's something in there, so your audience, you know, will, is always in charge of your marketing. Then the next reflection is then what are you going to do about it? Because sadly, people leave it, leave it last minute, which has been the case of the conversation. So they, in a panic, put together a few LinkedIn posts, maybe an article. They just affix, you know, the uh, agreed hashtag, and then that's that. And and, and I think that uh, you know, in 2024, 25, you have to have a more considered approach. And and to your point, therefore, if you think about it, look ahead, study what those international uh, national days might be like. Give yourself months really of preparation and reflection, and and, and do something that is more akin of of a campaign. And to get others to participate, so it's not just about you and your content. What are you going to do? But actually, you could you can open up a, a conversation, invite contributors and and more, and then get that to be on the website. So you have obviously also the chance when you share it on social media to to tag people. But it feels to me that it's not so much that the the tactic has been around for a long time. It's because it's been around for a long time, you have to elevate the execution and maybe the stimulate more of your imagination to do something that um, is going to make people stop in their tracks or you're going to be part of the white noise. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it's this thing of when you're trying to come up with uh, content ideas, uh, it does, as I said, it does give you sort of that um, ability to have something to to, to connect the content with and to help you come up with that plan. And, but only use them if they're meaningful, if they're relevant, and as we've both said, make them part of that wider picture. So, I, I yes, I think I'm in the camp that we still <laughs> should be using them, but not just for the sake of it. Yes, and and the, the danger, in fact, is by not giving yourself enough time to reflect and come up with good ideas or getting others to participate, even for that matter, to kind of plug in your activities with uh, the official, if you like, body who's looking after that national day or international week, you're missing out on a lot of PR potentially and 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 more. And I like what you said, which is it feels almost you should have a before, during and after element to using yeah, those national it, international days. Making it, you're not just using it on the day and, and actually making it part of your story. I meant to say that, by the way, if you're watching or listening, perhaps you're live with us right now. Just to remind you, we're live on YouTube, we're live on LinkedIn, we're live on Facebook. Uh, we also turn this into an audio podcast afterwards, and the video is on YouTube for later as well. So perhaps you're joining us later on and listening right now or watching right now on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. Let us know. Leave a review. If we're being helpful, tell a friend. We, we, we're interested and we really want to share this. Uh, we enjoy doing this. We're very passionate about this. We've both said, uh, Pascal, haven't we, that, you know, we we can't believe, first of all, that we've got to episode 22, but it, but when we reflect at the amount of content we've talked about, and we also think there's still so much to talk about. We've we've hardly scratched the surface. And, and I think it comes from, you know, our position, which is the, the website, you know, the, this kind of um, digital entity is in fact the extension of so many things you know your business value your your approach to customer care your your vision for for the future and, and more so it has so much to cover it's so multifaceted that yes i can see you and i you know continuing for quite a while with this audio companion 
And as we said, this is about making you feel proud of your website. We know that moment when someone says to you, oh, what's your website address? I'll have a look. And all of a sudden you get that pang in your stomach that's, oh no, don't go and have a look because I'm not very proud of it. Well, we're here to turn that around and make you proud of it. Let's move on to our next segment, which is website stories. Now, for episode 22, we've chosen an article that was published a few months ago, but the, the selection and the fact that it's a few months old is part of our little tactic today, user listeners, to make you aware that 2024 is going to be a very important year in and around tracking the behavior of our website visitors. The article was written by Matt G. Southern from Search Engine Journal, and the title is as follows. Google to disable third-party cookies for 1% of Chrome users. Now, this was a dramatic pose on purpose because this article was written in October 2023, and it was just giving us the uh, bit of a warning, I suppose, and and the the early kind of um, warning about a big, big change in the world of digital marketing, and particularly around data. So, what is what is happening, Google? And by extension, all the products owned by Google, which includes the Chrome browser, are going to little by little and will complete the transition by the third quarter of 2024. They're going to stop supporting third-party cookies and other tracking devices. That is to say, this business journey you know, of tracking people from website to website to website, so which was essentially um, heralded as you know the kind of um, magic one we'd be waiting for all of us in digital marketing to track somebody's journey via the, the, the interweb so you can do the remarketing and that kind of things. And the argument put forward by Google is that this is contrary to their now principles when it comes to privacy and their principle of anonymity. Now, others are saying that's not true. Google, I just wanted to kind of you know, wall fence their own platform so that they are the sole kind of um, you know owner of data and behavioral data. And listen, the, the debate could go on forever, Johnny, but we need to kind of be made aware, all of us as website owners and by extension, maybe advertisers, that we're going to have less data, less behavioral data to kind of use from the single source. And that's what this article really is indicating, which is uh, in, in October of last year, it was 1% of Chrome users being essentially um, hidden from view, if you will. And that 1% is going to reach 99 to 100% by the end of this year. So again, with the, the, this um, story making the headlines again now, the start of the year, the, the, the kind of recommendation for businesses is to be aware of it and to talk to your developers, to talk to your marketing team and ask yourself the question, what are we tracking right now? How are we tracking it? And what would it look like in the near future when some of that tracking is taken off us? And that, that can be big, big, be the beginning of internal um, kind of uh, you know planning in terms of doing things a bit differently and so on. But it, it, it's happening. It's been delayed actually because it was meant to happen last year. But I think there's been some you know pushback from the community. So Google give them give everybody another year just to get ready for a time where only their tracking you know, interfaces and cookies will work. The third party will not work on their platform. And this example, by the way, is followed by uh, Facebook and Bing and so on. So we're going to have essentially a platform with just their data 
which they're going to call uh, first party data and they won't allow um, partners and, and and others to be able to be on their platform to track the behavior of their users. Yeah, I mean, some of you might be listening and thinking, "What are we on about?" Um, and uh, let's just <laughs> let let's just um, uh, tear this down to really simply. So you've got cookies that the browser uses to track or to deal with things like payments or things like filling forms out uh, to remember that you've logged into a website, for example. So cookies can be really helpful, but they're also used for tracking purposes as well. And as Pascal said, um, privacy is uh, is becoming higher and higher. And so uh, Chrome is starting to uh, disable some third-party cookies. And also things like uh, Apple, the iPhone, uh, and other devices, you'll find that cookies are not uh, working as they used to be in terms of the tracking world. So if you're doing a Facebook ad campaign and you want to track if someone's clicked through and then have they bought something or have they filled out a form, typically we'd use uh, cookie tracking, third-party cookies to then see that journey and, and and be able to put a return on investment to understand who's converted, how they've converted, etc. Things are changing vastly, as Pascal's pointed out. So it's about how can we uh, keep that tracking in place. And what we're talking about here is using client-side, server-side cookies of tracking instead of relying on a third-party cookie. So so it takes the browser out the equation because what you're doing is you've got the cookie on the website, not on the browser, if that makes sense. It's not the easiest thing to implement, but if you're spending money on Facebook ads, if you're spending money on Google pay-per-click campaigns, then you really need to consider thinking about it and discussing it and looking into it because potentially you're wasting money on Facebook ads, wasting money on Google pay-per-click because you've no idea what's actually happening. Are people clicking through? What's, what is the conversion happening? What pages they're looking at? How long are they spending? And all of that data is disappearing slowly, but surely. So it's client side, server side, uh, cookies. And it's, you know, it's really important if, you're spending a, I'm, I'm going to use the word significant amount because that's relative. Depends on the size of the business, doesn't it? If you're spending a significant amount on advertising on Facebook ads or pay-per-click, you absolutely need to look into server-side cookies and it, it's better privacy. You're in more control. You, you're in control of the data. Uh, you can connect it directly to Facebook, directly to Google. So you don't rely on the browser taking the cookie away. Um, and, um, uh, and it's more transparent. So definitely worth considering and for me it's back to this idea which is um as you pointed out it's perhaps not something that you would consider regularly it's not something that necessarily you understand it's not part of your profession or your specialist area but that's no excuse for not actually asking the right questions to the right people you know this website of yours we've said it you know that we're here to make you feel proud again to make it work harder for you so speak to the right people and say okay i understand that you know it's not going to be as easy as they used to be to track the behavior of my website visitors and this is not going to be as clear and as obvious as before to track the advertising so what are we going to do and that's a collective question as a, as a team as external partners and so on and because it's it's logic essentially you know you won't be able to be able to uh, have someone arriving on, on the website for argument's sake and then track them beyond your website environment and be able to kind of do all sort of things. Uh, so, so the argument is therefore, what do we do as well as or instead? So there's been a, a couple of recommendations. So the first one is 
be clear about your need for data. Just because everything is possible and everything can be tracked to a point, do you use it? Do you want it? Do you actually make any use of it? So actually, it could be a good timing to rationalize your practice when it comes to data gathering and data literacy. And so, But let's say that you need data, you use it, you use it to inform your activities, your product design, and so on. So the recommendation out there from experts would be to simply diversify where you advertise instead of just relying on, on a sole source. You can use Facebook again or LinkedIn and another. If you want data, if you want behavioral kind of insight, they're going to have to spread your advertising budget perhaps a bit more broadly. So that's one consideration. Again, if you want data, then why don't you simply, and I mean simply, what I mean about that is, you know, logically increase traffic to your own website and therefore invest in that search engine optimization, particularly off-page optimization, and get more behavioral uh, activities on your own platform because you will have the, the data for that, particularly if you follow Johnny's advice with uh, using the search um, console and, and more. The other thing that you want to be doing is look at the emergence of services of organizations you're going to have to do your your due diligence and check and check again who are going to be providing services saying we have data and we can do correlation between your data set and our data set to give you additional bit of role insight to help you put together some strategies so that's going to come through but there's going to be good bad, and ugly johnny as you know that's been the history of the of the web from the get-go <laughs> but uh, that is certainly part of what you can do so you need you need data you know what data you need advertise more broadly increase your seo practices and access data from reputable sources all extremely good advice. So consider your tracking and cookies. And if you're spending significant amounts of advertising, this is something you need to take seriously. Uh, if you're not, perhaps this could be something that you don't need to spend time on uh, and, uh, and and stay focused on the things that are important. Uh, so we, for now, I think we're highlighting for the ones that are advertising and with significant amounts, uh, it's time to take some action. And Sweet. with that, we will move to our next segment, which is the Website Engine Room. Uh, Johnny and I like to, to surprise each other with a new discovery, an app, a software solution, maybe a piece of kit that can make life easier as a website manager. So Johnny, what is your selection for episode 22? For this episode, uh, I've chosen Mangle's KW Finder. Uh, it's a keyword finder. Uh, you know, there's lots out there, uh, but it's another tool that could be worth looking at. It's about, I, I like the word triangulation. I like being able to look at a number of different tools, gather lots of different data. Uh, this is a keyword research tool that uh, helps you find long tail keywords with low SEO difficulty. I mean, what? better box could you tick? Uh, it's great for finding keywords that can ultimately drive targeted traffic to your website. Uh, so it's KW Finder um, and uh, just yet another place where it can start giving you inspiration on the keywords that you should be optimizing for. And as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm surprised because I like to think that I know a hell of a lot about when it comes to keyword finders and content ideas generators, but this is new to me. So thank you very much. And I take it that, you know, the whole practice is exactly that, which is you come up with that short to long phrase and that stimulates your imagination to come up with content series that you're going to publish on your website. 
Yeah, and we're looking for keywords that have got high search volume where people are searching, uh, or certainly not, you know, no search volume, but, you know, a, a decent search volume, but where the difficulty, where the competitiveness isn't there. So it's sort of, it, it potentially could be more of a, a niche phrase or a niche keyword, um, but it's still got search volume. And so, yes, it then drives your content ideas and and uh, and production around those phrases to then start ranking. Super. Now, my selection, I'm not sure whether actually I follow the rules on this occasion with my <laughs> selection. You'll tell me, but it's all really inspired by a, a meeting I had with a client a few days ago where they confessed that they had forgotten completely about Google My Business. But, you know, it's it's understandable. Everybody is very, very busy. Many plates are, are spinning. And we were just talking about, of course, search engine optimization. We're talking about what it looks like to control your Google CV, as I used to call it with affection, and, of course, your entry on Google Maps via the Google My Business um, dashboard. And it, they will change the name again, I'm sure, and again and again. But um, the question I have for all of you and listeners is, are you taking full advantage of that platform, which I know is not particularly appealing. When you first open it, it looks like a tax return form with fields and boxes and and whatever. But actually, if you take your time and do it step by step, it's incredible the amount of information you can actually add to supplement you know, your free entry on, on, on Google Maps and get a red pin and so on. Uh, you can now do some micro-blogging. You can you know, put links, as you would, for example, on LinkedIn, Facebook, X, and all the others, to articles. You, you can put some shout-outs. You can do some product highlights and so on. So it operates almost as a, uh, as a mini website. It doesn't go all the way uh, to that. And, and I think for me, you know, if we go back to behavior and the side of people checking you out, as they would uh, on Google in particular, if they were to put your, your, your business name from a reputation point of view, it's not better for them to see a com full entry with all the fields and everything else put out there. And if you fill up to it, you could even switch on the live chat so people could actually use their very familiar. It's the number one app you know used by all mobile phone owners certainly in in Western Europe when it comes to directions and recommendations and so on. So they are very very comfortable. And the idea that they can you know they could ring you, they could email you, they could have a live chat with you is quite interesting. So. That's it. You know, it's Google My Business. Are you taking full advantage of what is on offer? Yeah, I, I think there's two camps here. There's it amazes me that there's still businesses that I that I speak to on you know a reasonably regular basis that still haven't set up a profile on Google My Business. So that's the first thing. But then the second thing that you're really highlighting um is for those that have set profiles up, you know, when did you last optimize? But there's so many tools in there now that you can use. And the fact that you can um, post content to your profile, well, actually, it's what it's one of the simplest ways to get Google to notice your content because you've got the ability to put that content directly into Google's database by sharing on Google's own app. So it's a great way to start getting Google to notice your new blog or your new piece of news or whatever the new content is so yeah i, I don't think either is a, a saying you know spend all day every day on there but it's a it's a it's definitely a tool that you should that should be part of your strategy and part of your workflow when you've got new content and opening the door using live chat well if your audience is uh you know uh, fit the demographic uh which is a huge demographic uh the, the chances of them uh interacting with you more 
absolutely increases if you've got a live chat button on the Google profile where they've searched you in maps or they've searched you in search. Uh, so definitely, uh, especially for, for consumer businesses. And I think for me, it's back to first impressions. It shows you, you you've got you know attention detail, you you know, and you're controlling. The, you know, why wouldn't you? Uh, you know, at least intervene if a directory chooses to list your your business, and you know you have control over the the, the, the information you share uh, and more. So now, I, I, I was both surprised, but also, you know, what I will say in, in defense of of, of our listeners. However, Google are, are making such a rubbish job of informing all of us, for that matter, of all the different things they're doing on Google Business Profile, My Business, Google Maps, whichever term you favor. Uh, I think that communication, oddly, is very, very poor for something that is probably actually almost like the, the, one of the, the small business secret weapon of salt. Yeah, absolutely. It's time for the website call to action. Well, it's hard to believe that we've reached nearly the end of today's episode. So this is about the one change, the one adjustment that can make life easier for you, your visitors, and make you feel proud of your website. Again, Johnny, what is your call to action? Using or adding animations or transitions, so subtly adding movement onto your website to bring it a bit more to life, to potentially guide users' attention, to improve the overall interactive experience, to make it that bit more engaging, having little things that move. I'm not saying go OTT on this. Uh, I'm saying subtle, using little transitions, little animations that guide the user to the right part of the page that, you know, perhaps just push them to that form that you're trying to get them to fill out or push them to that button that you're trying to get them to click. Uh, and, and and as I said, just bringing your website a bit more to life so that there's things that sort of, you know, maybe uh, just just jump out, a you know, subtly, subtly jump out uh, so that you've got that movement as you're moving around the page, moving around the website uh, and, and making it just that bit more interactive. It's nothing new. This has been around a long time, but so many websites, well, they either use it terribly where there's way too much transition and animation or they don't use it at all. And for me, it's about subtle transitions and animations where just things just pop a tiny bit, move a tiny bit. And that, for me, is something that's really simple to integrate very quickly uh, on a homepage or on a, a, a service page. So that's my call to action for today. Thank you very much. You know, you're right. Fascinating because we discussed actually last time this idea of creating sense of depth. You know, with shadows and overlays and uh, and that kind of that kind of things. And now we have also and everything's subtle. You're right. It's subtle animation. You know, the the, the hover effect of the mouse or the way in which you know things can can be revealed and so on means that you thought about it. And for me, that's probably the message here throughout, which is it feels like a th thoughtful experience to visit your website as opposed to something that's just been plonked on on the web page now my recommendation my call to action is interesting one because again it's all to do with this idea of first impressions of impact uh letting particularly returning visitors feel like you are fully engaged with your own website so this is what people to do i would like you to research blog header images from other sectors and industries so don't look at the competition don't look at what you know people in your sector do research what others have done in terms of that visual stimuli of articles product pages and more 
from other sectors and industries because what I'm looking for, Johnny, are ideas. And if you see anything you like from those other sectors and industries, just do a bit of a scrapbooking, you know, do some screenshots, put it together into um, Google Slides or PowerPoint, and then have a, a team meeting or have a meeting with your business consultants and more, and use some of what you've spotted to modernize the design and the look of your own blog series. Because I think that it's only what you would do. And if you look at magazines, if you look at TV series and so on, there's always a slight, you know, uh, moving with the times uh, design elements. If you look at, for example, TV channels and how they do their stings, you know, I'll take uh, as an example Channel 4. The way Channel 4 do their Channel 4 logo animation changes it or, with the times, you know, and we're seeing more and more. So that to me is going to be how you're going to also retain someone's attention and goodwill to be a returning visitor, but also to impress first-time visitors. To find ways to ever so slightly, subtly, again, modernize your blogger header images by getting inspiration from other sectors. And something that you can do so quickly and easily as well. That's what these website call to actions are about. Something you can implement this afternoon or perhaps tomorrow, uh, you know, updating an image. That's ultimately what Pascal has, has, has said. Uh, but the impact and the relevancy, if you make that uh, a relevant image, it can make a big difference. What another episode. Uh, we've covered uh, whether um, national and international days are a worthwhile tactic. We've sort of said as long as they're relevant, as long as they're part of the wider story, uh, then they absolutely should be part of your content marketing plan, but not just for the sake of it. We've talked about uh, how third-party cookies are changing, and if you're doing face, if you're doing any type of advertising at all, uh, and data is important for you, then you really need to consider server-side or client-side uh, tracking. We've given you some uh, great uh, apps uh, or or um, uh, is Google My Business an app? I guess it's it's a it's a yeah, product. It's a, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a product that you should absolutely be uh, be using. Um, and hopefully some brilliant call to actions. What another episode? And in half an hour, how do we do it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today. This was episode 22 of our new podcast series, the audio companion to the 90-day website mastery program. For more information, please do visit 90daymarketingmastery.com. You'll be able to book your discovery call with either myself or Pascal. We'll be back with another podcast episode. In in the meantime, feel free to send your questions, uh, but more so get on with these bite-size actions uh, and let us know how you get on. Please do comment, ask questions, share the love. Let us, If this has been helpful, let other people know. We shall leave you for now with a video and audio montage and we'll see you all soon. Take care. See you soon, Pascal. Cheers.